Reality, the podcast. Pod Tribe, you're listening to Refined Reality, the podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Joe. Today, we're here with Angela. She's a financial planner. Thank you, Angela, for being here with us today. And as usual, we have our awesome co-host, Tracy, aka Miss Money Queen. I've worked many years with her. I've met her actually in the banking world. And on today's episode, we're going to be touching on financial planning, what it is, what it can do for you, and what money means and what she can do for you with that money. So I'll let Bobby Joe start off with the questions. Thanks, Tracy. I've been learning so much from you, you know, with, with Miss Money Queen. And I've been wondering, is financial planning important? How does it differ from being a financial advisor? Um, hi, everyone. So I guess I would say the major difference between a financial advisor and a financial planner is that anybody can be a financial advisor. So anybody can can slap that title on their name tag if they are helping you manage your money from a from a, on a day-to-day perspective. So that could be by being an investment advisor. That could be through debt, helping you apply for a loan or a car loan or a mortgage. A financial planner in Canada specifically, the regulatory or the regulations are changing where if you are going to have the title of a financial planner, you need to have certain accreditations, um, meaning that, you know, you have to take some courses and write write quite a few tests um, to either get a PFP, which is a personal financial planning designation. There's currently a QAFP, which is a qualified associate financial planner planner or uh, CFP, which is a certified financial planner. And those financial planners really are more for create a plan for the long term and then developing strategies that will help you meet those goals, whether they're five-year, 10-year, or 20-year goals. How many years have you been working in finance? So I got my first job in a financial institution in 2008, about 12 years. I've been a financial planner, so an accredited financial planner for about five years now. So all in all, it's been 12 years working for um, one of the major financial institutions in Canada. So you must see a lot of different people from a lot of cultural and financial backgrounds. Who would you say would benefit the most from a financial planner? Typically speaking, I mean, the demographic of individual that's going to typically see a financial planner as opposed to a financial advisor are going to be those individuals that are going through major life changes. So there's there oftentimes you'll see, you know, an age group, 45 to say 80. It definitely doesn't discriminate uh, on age, like, you know, the, the need for financial planning. It's going to be somebody who has an idea of what they want later on in life. So they have um, a knowledge of what their priorities are in life. Somebody who wants to collaborate and be involved in uh, developing strategies and who wants to seek advice. Typically speaking, age demographic is, is really important, but anybody would benefit from financial planning. So essentially, I remember my parents' days, right? You know, you work, you go to school, Back then, it was drop out at 16 or get your GED, whatever. Then work, 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 get your pension, retire, live that good life, enjoy your golden years. But I know with me and my husband, you know, he's lucky. He's one of the few people I know in our middle age group that 
even has a pension, you know, those days of pensions and those linear financial plans of A and B equals C, that's pretty much done. So what, what advice would you give for that new generation, the ones that are just starting out, they're graduating and, you know, maybe, or maybe just got their first job? I mean, I guess it kind of depends on, you know, what you're doing. I think having a knowledge of your day-to-day activities is, is one of the most important things. So understanding your level of income, income taxes, how you're taxed. If you go out and you get a job, like where you're actually working for an employer, if it's a large, whether it's public or private sector or a large organization, you need to understand, you know, are you unionized? Do you have benefits? What are the deductions on my paycheck? Because that will help you figure out that net in my pocket earnings. And then next, it's, it's really comparing or juggling um, the income to your expenses and being realistic. And so starting early, starting saving early, I'm not going to necessarily say, you know, you need to start saving in this vehicle versus that vehicle, like for example, a TFSA or an RSP, because everybody's different and everybody's situation is different, but saving early, making sure that you've got an emergency uh, float, making sure that you're not um, spending more than you're making and really understanding what that net paycheck looks like. And then as you kind of move through your career and sort of life stages is planning for that. And so you don't necessarily have to deal with a financial planner to do that. I mean, there's lots of different financial tools and calculators, but it's not burying your head in the sand. It's continuous education and learning about the different strategies and different tools that you have that are out there. And then seeking advice when you feel like maybe you need a little bit more information and not being afraid to go and talk to somebody because oftentimes there's a very negative stigma when you walk into a bank that they're going to try and sell you something. And the reality is they're not. You sometimes get bad apples and so they're not necessarily going to give you the best advice, but going out and validating something that maybe you've already researched and bringing it in is a really good, important step to follow when you're learning. Education and guidance is so important. I know personally, I really wish that I would have been aware of this back then. You know, if I could go back right out of high school and learning to save up and plan for everything, because I remember my grandfather saying when it was time to, I don't know what I want to do with the rest of my life prepare. And he'd be like, you know, it's not really what you make or not what you can make, but it's about how much you can save. Mm-hmm. Yep. And when you're that young, everything is so uncertain. You know, and once again now, because of COVID, we find ourselves in uncertain times again. Do you have any financial planning advice for people who are struggling right now? It's really about setting priorities. You know, you have to sometimes, so financial planning, much of our world is spent in the emotional side. It's not about dollars necessarily. It's about formulating the priorities and and tackling those kind of two or three at a time because it can get really overwhelming. And so I think everybody out there that feels overwhelmed is really just go back to basics and determine what is the priority that's in their life right now. Is that helping your child through university? Is that just putting food on the table? Is that paying your rent, like whatever, whatever the priority is. And a lot of times it ends up coming down to family, but sometimes not. Like if you're a single individual and no kids, you might be more concerned about 
establishing a career. And so those are the things that you need to be able to put onto paper for yourself is to pick those two or three priorities and then go from there. Because if you have too many ping pong balls up in the air, you're going to end up missing one and you're going to put too much, too much stress on yourself. Tracy, you talk a lot about priorities too in the financial world, right? Yeah. Priorities are important. And I love how Angela highlighted the the example of the ping pongs in the air because even now, especially now in COVID, a lot of people are second guessing their opinions or second guessing what they should be doing because they're worried about what others will have their influence or their opinions on on your life or on your family life. So I really do like how she's highlighted the difference between a financial planner where they take the time to learn about their emotional sides of their clients and they base their advice on that piece because it's a huge piece on financial planning in itself. And it's, it's, they're teaching the individuals to base their financial goals or financial dreams and to work around what they want to build for their lives because no, no one's plan is going to be the exact replicate of someone else's. And I think that's where a financial planner, because they need all those designations, they need all that education to be able to help them with higher prior, not higher priorities, but different, different priorities than individuals looking for, let's just say, if they were to come in to see me to get a mortgage or a loan, right? Those are day-to-day expenses and needs that they need to look at versus when you go and see someone like Angela, which is a financial planner, they're looking for more tailored needs that she helps them with. Mm-hmm. So we might help somebody, you know, to Tracy's point about, you know, she, when she was working in the institutions, um, you know, she would get somebody a mortgage. Um, I don't typically do credit, <laughs> Financial planners don't usually like to uh, have to do credit applications, Um, but um, we would then take that mortgage or, you know, that mortgage and that bank account and the credit card and the, maybe the RSP that Tracy's opened. And then we would now create that plan moving forward and say, okay, how does your mortgage payment and your RSP contribution and the fact that you have to pay kids tuition and the fact that you got to put food on the table and the fact that now you're on mat leave and all, or whatever, all these different and, and work them into your plan and say, okay, how do we incorporate this um, into your plan and make sure that your mortgage is paid off by the time you're 65 or that you have X number in your RSP by the time you're 50. Um, that's how we were really looking at the long-term maintenance of a plan and how each one of those products um, complement complement your individual goals. So Angela, I've known you for quite a while and on a personal level as well. We worked together, we're friends and she's now a stepmother, well, has been a stepmother for my nephews and nieces. Tracy introduced me to my husband, just so everybody's aware. Yeah, I introduced Angela to her (laughs) now, well, fiance, (laughs) not husband, husband to be. (laughs) Look at you, Tracy, securing everyone's future. That's great. (laughs) On multiple levels, not just on financial levels, but on love interest levels as well. Mm -hmm. It's a really funny story, actually. Me and Angela were working in the same branch, and we had been, we befriended each other for about a year and a half or two years, I think, at that point, if I'm not mistaken, give or take. Yeah. Yeah. So then she was not from the area. She was from a bigger city area. So we're in a smaller town. And she had mentioned that, well, she's single and she doesn't have any children. And I have 
three brothers-in-laws. So my, my, <laughs> <laughs> the oldest of my brother radar went up. Yeah. Like, the ding, ra- ding, 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 ding. Not necessarily <laughs> for him because I didn't think you guys are going to be a match at first, but to be honest, but anyway, we, I, I asked her, I said, Hey, uh, there's going to be a family reunion going on. I said, do you want to come by and, and check it out? She's never been in the area. So she, of course she said yes. So she came over and we went to a bonfire beforehand and she was following me and she, I could just picture her thought process. Where is she taking me? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and needless to say, we got there and then my, my brother-in-law had his eye on her, seen her. And then the next few days he approached me for her number. And I said, no, I I'm like, she, I like her. She's my friend. I don't want to ruin that kind of friendship. So then I said, me, well, first of all, I'm going to ask her first before I give you her number. So I got into work the next day and I said, Hey, Ange, my brother-in-law is interested and would like you to come to a wedding. Mm -hmm. And she's like, Oh, sure. Give him whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Right. Be fun. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, we, they met up at that wedding and he had a second date. Yeah. That he I had didn't a backup know. plan. <laughs> he had a backup plan. And I'm, I was, when I found that out at the wedding, I grabbed him by the ear. She didn't really notice at the time. <laughs> and I pulled him aside and I said, no, 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 no. I said, we set this up to meet with Ange, yeah. not with someone else. So I said, you need to choose either her or yeah. the other woman. So he chose to stick it out with Ange and he's been, they've been together ever since. Yep. The rest is history. Yeah. But my question to you, uh, Angela, is being a stepmother, a working professional, how do you juggle it all? And how has that affected your personal life? And how has it affected you doing business at home, being at home steady? Certainly being a stepmother has its challenges. I think being that I have a really good work ethic from a professional standpoint, I think I was ready to take on the challenge. Having a support system at home is so important though, because I do know um, I don't necessarily have lots of time. And so it's always a struggle to put family to work priorities, but we make it work. We bounce off of each other all the time. And sometimes I work late and he's really great at taking those responsibilities. I mean, that's number one. And being honest with my kids uh, or my stepkids and being honest with them and making sure that they are aware of you know what I do and the importance of establishing those important financial acumens early on in life. So, you know, we just are honest with them. Since working from home, like we've started working from home, I've been working from home since about mid-March, certainly a bit more of a struggle. But the reality is you just have to be honest with your clients and honest with your family. Everybody's going through the same thing. So, and there are many people that are wearing similar hats. And so you come from it from a place of empathy, understanding, and I really believe in education. So either educating your clients, whether that's telling them about what's going on in your personal life to a point <laughs> um, so that they understand the pressure that you're under because they have the same thing. They have, they have the same things going on in their families. And so just being open and honest is really key. I mean, I really envy you, especially for taking on that role and not being in that position. I commend you for that because being a stepmom is truly hard and I really do appreciate the level of, uh, you make the kids feel welcome. You make them feel like they're all part of the family. It's like a family unit and being able to work with even being able to coincide with the other part of the family. And I just truly commend you for that because to be honest, sometimes I think of that and I, 
I'm not put in that situation. I don't know what it's like, but I think, yeah, you're doing a really awesome job and being able to juggle all those hats in at home, especially with three kids is no small feat. Well, thank you. Just like clients, it's in, it's important to compartmentalize. So you have to just put things in buckets sometimes. And sometimes you can't focus on that bucket and I got to focus on the other bucket. So you just have to do what you can when you can. Another question I had as well, what can the everyday person gain from financial planning services? I'll talk a little bit about the key disciplines that most planners will follow. I mean, everybody's going to be a little bit different. And of course, every institution has a a little bit of a a different um, spin on things. But generally speaking, anybody who has either a PFP or a CFP accreditation behind them has gone through the same learning. How people are going to benefit is by being brought through and, and learn about eight main disciplines that financial planners focus on. Uh, investment planning, I mean, which is, you know, a big part of it. And some in financial planners will do nothing in regards to investment choices. They will just help understand the investments that maybe their client has. So depending on the firm that you work with, I work in a firm where I do manage and I have mutual fund license. So I, so I do help manage investments, but some firms do not have their financial planners doing anything with about investing. The second discipline would be, you know, how to optimize your net worth and cash flow. So really helping clients understand and talk about their budgeting and do they understand how their cash flow works and just kind of helping them budget. I think the main go-to for a lot of financial planners, or I wouldn't say go-to, maybe one of the, the biggest areas of advice that clients lack is tax planning. So even though we are not accountants, we have a higher um, level of knowledge about tax planning. So taxation, how to create a retirement paycheck, how to layer income in a tax-efficient manner, income splitting. So we'll give basic advice and then obviously always refer to their accountant and and say, you know what, here's some recommendations, but, and this is what I think you should do, but I I need you to, you know, double check it with your accountant. Transitioning into retirement is a big one because a lot of people don't know how to create that retirement paycheck. So now you get a you know paycheck in your bank account every two weeks. You're not going to get that anymore. So some people are business owners. How what do they do? Like if they're not working in their business, they're not making money. So how do they transition into retirement effectively? The big one is retirement planning. So you know I'm starting at 45. How I'm plan I want to retire at 65, or I'm starting saving at 25 and I want to retire at 65. How do I do that? How do I plan for my retirement? Seven would be estate planning, which I think is one that does not looked at enough in the industry. What's my goals in my estate plan? And then borrowing and debt management, of course, which would be a matter of how do I effectively pay off my debt in the time frame that I want to, or can I? So that's the main things that people are going to kind of get from a financial planner. That's really great advice. Do you have any other add-ins or questions, Bobby Joe? I mean, being 30... I am already questioning my retirement personally. I think that's a really great one because all my jobs, none of them have had pensions since I've been 20. None of them have had pensions. None of them have even had health benefits. Yeah. The earlier you can think about it, the better. Now at 30, depending on your cash flow and depending on your net worth, so your assets, you may not be able to um, get in front of a financial planner. Every firm is different. Some firms offer financial planning to everybody. Some firms charge a fee for financial planning. And so it might not just, it may just not make sense, right? To pay $2,000. And I'm saying that as an example, it doesn't necessarily cost that (laughs) to um, 
get a financial plan if I'm still living paycheck to paycheck. So I think the first priority is, is speaking to that financial advisor and really, again, bringing it back to your priorities. So your priorities might be just figuring out how to do a bit more budgeting at 30 to figure out how you can start saving, right? So, I mean, it really comes back down to your, your individual scenario, your individual priorities. And then as you work through the life stages and work through setting up little things and starting out slowly, everybody usually progresses in their career. And every year, typically speaking, I mean, you know, aside from setbacks or um, unforeseen circumstances, typically speaking, everybody's going to make a little bit more money next year and a little bit more money the year after and the year after. And so it's it's putting yourself and and checking in, just like you check in with a doctor every year, or, you know, you might um, check in with the gym twice a year. <laughs> you got to check in with the, the advisor and you got to make sure you're checking in on your financial priorities. That's a great analogy. I like the concept of um, a <laughs> wallet doctor, if you will. <laughs> I love that. I love that, Angela. I'm going to use that hashtag money doctor. <laughs> yeah. Wallet doctor. Yeah. Wallet yeah. doctor. Yeah. That's a good one. So I, I know personally, you know, not everyone's the same. It, it's so hard to do one career for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people, yeah, okay, it works out, but others it's like, absolutely not. But no matter what, it's great to empower yourself. And, you know, like Angela was saying, sit down with a financial advisor, because if your priorities are different, you, you can still put something away for retirement or your own health care because you always have more options than are presented at first, more options than you think. Absolutely. There's no cookie cutter approach and that's what planners are there for. So you have financial advisors who typically speaking are a bit more cookie cutter for from just because they they don't necessarily may not have the experience they may not have the accreditation they're you know they're 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 more basic day-to-day banking right so they're not really looking from a holistic perspective the reality is though there is no cookie cutter approach and what you want at 50 or 65 may be very different from the person that's sitting beside you and believe it or not it might be very different from your significant other and so it's really important important to stay on the same page as your significant other and make sure that you're working towards that same goal. It's not about the money necessarily because the money, we, you can figure it out. And I've told this to clients time and time again who, you know, they want to retire at 55 and that's it. That's it. That's all. That's their goal. And they want to have you know, they want to travel the world and make $80,000 a year in retirement. I said, that's fine. You can do it, but you need to get three jobs. Like that, <laughs> like that's like yeah. that's the reality. The reality is as soon as you know what you want, then you can start to figure out how to put it into perspective and how to get there. And then you might realize, well, okay, 55 traveling the world, maybe not. I mean, it also depends on the other circumstances as well, but the reality is you just have to think about it. And that's the thing too, just because you have a pension, you know, you're one of the lucky ones, doesn't mean, you know, necessarily that everything's all set in stone and it's out of your hands. Still need to plan and take the initiative because you never know. I mean, some of even my husband, his coworkers, like, oh, I'll be lucky if I I get five years of my pension back and it's like, dude, you're in your 70s. You could have retired a long time ago. Like that's so depressing. (laughs) Yeah. The worst thing you can do is listen to your neighbor. (laughs) 
that I, like, that's all I can say. Unless your neighbor's a financial planner. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I can say because, you know, time and time again, I have clients come in and say, oh, I was talking to Bill down the street and he told me that if I don't t- take in my CPP today, I'm going to die and the government's going to get all my money. And I'm like, no. No, that's not correct. (laughs) So, you know, you just, you have to seek those professionals. We're here for a reason, right? I mean, Tracy was in the industry. You're there. They don't pay them to just sit there and look pretty. They pay them because they have a knowledge to to help, right? Mm -hmm. And And that's the thing too. Like I know so many people, again, I fell into it too for a little while, you know, hoard your money, hoard your money under the mattress people. Make it work for you because I mean, when you, as morbid as it is, when you die, you can't take that with you. Yeah. And that's something I wanted to touch on too, because I know earlier, Bobby Joe, you mentioned that the people who have the pensions, who have it all figured out, but then all of a sudden they're 65 and their significant other passes away. Then the whole kind of plan just kind of cuts in half. And how do people deal with that? First of all, on an emotional level, but on this financial level, that's where it's really crucial to go and speak to a financial planner, speak to accountants for the taxation level alone, because and lawyers as well, because they're not aware of what that can do when you're building up that equity and that, that dream of retirement. And then all of a sudden, one of them passes away, what happens? Do you have any input, Angela? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, there's so many situations where I see, you know, a couple, for example, and one of them has a really strong pension and that's what they rely on. What they don't look at though is what happens if the unexpected happens? Like what happens, let's say for example, uh, Mrs. has a a fantastic pension. We look at it and go, yeah, you guys are going to be able to live on it. But Mrs. all of a sudden gets cancer and passes away at 60. Like there's so many things that can happen. And Mr. hasn't saved a penny. And now that pension is cut in half or maybe it's 60%, maybe it's 70%. I mean, that's the, that's the best case scenario, 70%. But I would say on average, survivor benefits are about 60%. And you can choose even in some situations to even go with 50%. That way you can get a higher lifetime pension. But those are the things that you need to think about because if you want the same retirement lifestyle as you did when your spouse was alive and your pension gets cut in half, where's the backup plan? That's and good so, to know. I didn't yeah. even know that. How does one find that out? I I guess their spouse should contact their employer prematurely. There's two types of pensions out there, right? The most popular type, um, there's a defined contributory pension plan where you and your employer contribute. I think that's the most popular now. You'll be hard pressed to find very many employers, at least in the private sector, that offer defined benefit pension plans. Defined contributory are ones where both you and your employer contribute into your pension, usually at a matching rate. And then defined benefit is where your employer contributes for you. Now, you can still contribute to a defined benefit plan, but you don't have to. And there's a specific amount, they say, based on your earnings and your length of service, how much you're going to get at the end of the day. Each one of those pension plans should be at the very least providing you an annual statement. And in that annual statement will typically give you most of that information that you're looking for. You know, what are the survivor benefits? Can you list children? Let's say you don't have a spouse. Who can you list? Nieces, nephews, children, if your spouse has already predeceased you or you're divorced, what can you do? So there's a lot of things that, that need to be thought about well in advance and need to be incorporated in that plan. 
And that, I feel like that's a really good thing uh, to go over with marriage. Yep. You know, like personally, my situation, me and my husband, we're common law and we're going to go the boring paper route because those are expensive legal discussions that need to be have. I, I like to think ahead. I already have my, my funeral plot planned out personally. <laughs> that was something I went in on with yeah. my grandparents and all my okay. older family because I was like, well, there's only two for sure. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life, but I'm going to have to pay taxes and I'm going to have to die at one point. Yep. You got it. That's a very good, that's one of my sayings. I think I say at least once a day, two things for sure in life, death, death and taxes. And that's really what a financial planner does is it, and I think I do that on a daily basis is I ask, I might not have the answers to everything, but I certainly ask a lot of questions and sometimes my clients don't have the answer to everything, but it's somebody there to point out, Hey, have you thought about this? No. Okay. Let's figure this out together. That's great because you want to live your best life. You don't want to wait till to work hard and enjoy it near the end, you know? And again, the unforeseen can happen. Like you say, if someone passes. Yeah, I agree. It's financial planning. It's a benefit for all. And it's something that we can all really gain importance, access, and education on. And it's all on easy steps. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to walk into a branch tomorrow and say, I want to talk to a financial planner. But if you're in the position where you want to look into that, then go and see a financial advisor and then they could kind of guide you on the next step on how you can get to that point. I want to thank Angela for being here today with us and kind of giving us an outlook of what it looks like to be a financial planner on a day-to-day basis. Well, thanks for having me, ladies. It was uh, certainly something that I'm very passionate about. I will be one of those people that have been in the same career for my entire life. I am 36 and I've been working with industry for 12 years and I don't have any plans on going anywhere. So, I mean, there are lots of people out there that are lifers, that this is what they're passionate about. They want to give advice. They want to educate. Certainly, you know, poke around. I mean, you don't have to go into the the bank. One thing I would say is there are lots of tools and calculators and information out there on the World Wide Web. Poke around. And when you get to a point where you don't understand it or you're not sure about something, that's when you go in and seek a little bit of financial advice from your institution. Thank you for sharing your passion and wisdom with us today. Well, that was refined and real. Many thanks to you, our listeners, for staying with us until the very end. For more about us and what we do, check us out on our Facebook page, Refined Reality, the podcast. And a huge shout out to Architect for building our music. Like what you hear? Check out his info in our description. Until next time, get some R&R. Stay curious. This is Bobby Joe signing off.